Who can ask for anything more? I can ask for something more. I can ask for Rebecca Fife, Director of Research, Landmark Pest Management. Hey, Rebecca, welcome back, WGN. Oh, John, it's such a pleasure to be with you. I love the feeling is mutual. So listen, I read this article in USA Today earlier. Uh, you see spiders in your home throughout the year? They're just right, or I guess now it's spider season. Why are they there? They, they said they're probably just looking for love. And I went, well, now, wait a minute. I got to talk to Rebecca. What is going on with, and there's more. We want to talk about more too. But what what is going on in the spider romance department at this time Well, I was really glad that you wanted to talk about spiders because okay. I have a couple of new spiders in my insect zoo, and this has to do with your question about what's going on with spiders right now. Right. So I um, could have gotten males, tarantulas, or I could have gotten female tarantulas for my insect zoo. And it takes them about a year to a year and a half to reach sexual maturity. And the males, once they reach sexual maturity, they only live two years, where the females can live up to 20 years. And I'm sort of commitment phobic, so I got (laughs) two male tarantulas. I just couldn't commit to 20 years. (laughs) Oh, well, there's got to be some sort of uh, nature's gender revenge in that. I mean, uh, nature... The, the male tarantula must have really ticked off nature at some point because, yeah. you know, it's gone and his quote-unquote partner lasts for 20 years. Wow. Yep, and, and that's what's going on. So this time of the year, the males are, you know, ready to spring forth from this mortal coil and they want to reproduce before they do it. So the females are giving off pheromones, the males are drawn to them, and this is the year where the time of year where most of the mating takes place and, you know, the males don't have much time to waste. I guess not. Um, but I, this is more, I wasn't specifically thinking of tarantulas, though. I was thinking about, you know, the spiders that we see just normally around the house, if we notice more more of them or, you know, what should I do if I see a spider in my home? Well, for some people, they think that having spiders is a pest control issue. Mm-hmm. And if you live in parts of the country where, you know, venomous spiders exist, like black widows or brown recluse, and there's a large population in your home, of course you should use pesticides. But in the Chicago area, we um, we don't have any brown recluse. They don't occur in this part of the state. And black widows are so incredibly rare that, you know, I've spent decades searching for them in this area. And the closest I've ever found one to Chicago is Michigan City, Indiana. So they're so few and so far between that they're not an issue in our homes either. So the spiders that we have are really spiders that I think are more of a custodial issue than a pest control issue. So I think vacuum them up. <laughs> If you remove the webs, if you remove the egg sacs, if you remove the spiders, you're not going to have another generation of spiders. So I think before applying a pesticide, apply, you know, do a really thorough cleaning, eliminate yeah. them, do yeah. that quarterly, and you won't have a spider problem for the most part. Now, if you think that's the worst thing you've ever heard and you just want a pesticide applied 
to help reduce them from coming in. The way that you do that is you use a residual pesticide around cracks and crevices. You don't, mm-hmm. you know, broadcast spray the room, the, the, you know, the outside of your home in a way that would be, you know, dangerous for pollinators or get into the air. You take a really targeted crack and crevice approach because that's where spiders come in through the cracks and crevices. Mm-hmm. And you are very, you know, judicious with your use of the pesticide. And then you can apply it also, you know, in the basement in the areas where they tend to harbor. But honestly, even if you're going to take a pesticide approach, the cleaning is still really the most important thing, not letting them be there, not letting them breed in the home, physically getting rid of them to have, a, you know, largely as much as you can a spider-free home. You can never have a completely spider-free home, right. but it's pretty spider-free. And is so am I correct? Is this article correct that now that we've reached this time of the year that the mating desire is the reason that we would notice if we're going to notice any more spiders at all that would be the motivation behind them appearing is that right yes yep absolutely wow. well hey guys i hate to cut off your love like life but i'm about ready to turn on the vacuum cleaner rebecca told me to um all right then well so much for uh spiders um i guess i'll file that under Spiders who are dead (laughs) (laughs) or or something. I don't know. Um, I know that you're interested in talking about voles and molds. And I remember when I had some property that I had up until a few years ago, I would get these mole hills that looked like they were designed by an architect. I mean... They were huge. What's going on with that? Well, moles um, can tunnel a lot in just a day, and they they can tunnel about 150 feet. (laughs) So they can really wreck your yard in no time. And we got twice as many calls about moles and voles this year as we did in any of the previous years. So we don't know why the populations are so high right now, but they're really bothering people in Chicago and the suburbs because they're making their lawns look terrible. And, you know, usually we take a humane approach to all of the various animal control that we do. However, John, moles are kind of the exception to that. They don't come out from above, you know, from underground very often. They ha- they lead a subterranean existence for the most part. So you have to kill them in their tunnels. And the methods that we use were previously reserved for the ways that, you know, aristocrats were dispatched during the French Revolution. You should see these gadgets that we use. Hold it right there. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yeah. Wait a minute. We just went from... Moles in the ground to ancient history, what are these devices that have been brought forth from the dark ages to our current day to kill moles? That is quite quite a leap. They're they're rather horrible. Oh, good. So one is um, basically a spring-loaded scissors that has a little trigger that the mole trips it and chick and just snips the mole right in half underground when it hits that little underground trigger. So how do you plant the trigger? I mean, do you know you, where? You, yeah, you compress the spring and 
stick this mole trap right in the tunnel that you see. You stick it right down in the ground. It has some prongs to hold it steady, and those scissor blades go in the ground, and snip goes the mole. And then the reason I say, you know, that they're the their mechanisms previously reserved for the aristocrats during the French Revolution, yeah. and the other one is a guillotine. Oh it's, uh, you pull it back until it clicks, and then you stick the prongs in the ground, and there's a little trigger lever. And when the trigger lever is hit by the mole in the tunnel, shink, and, you know, the head rolls into the basket there right in the public court or, you know, in the borough as far as moles go. Uh, Rebecca Fife, Director of Research at Landmark Pest Management. You know, if you get any questions, we've got the phone number, the text line, and the time to do it, 312-981-7200. That's 312-981-7200, questions or texts. And we do more with Rebecca Fife, Director of Research at Landmark Pest Management when we come back on 720 WGN. If you put omphalotus into your soup, you are surely going to barf and poop omphalotus. Omphalotus, yeah, don't eat the jack-o'-lantern omphalotus. (laughs) (laughs) You can blame Brandon for that. He goes, hey, you want to play that mushroom song? I go, what are you talking about? You know, when I went out with Rebecca and she sang this, yeah, how about that? The vocal stylings. This is the right time of year to find Amphalotus, too. It's the uh, jack-o'-lantern mushroom. It's orange. um, It it has a lot of um, delicious edible lookalikes, so don't confuse it for those, because just like the the little ditty said, uh, it causes indigestion. Where else are you going to hear the vocal stylings of one Rebecca Fife? That is correct. Uh, Rebecca Fife is the director of research at Landmark Pest Management. Well, we got calls. We got texts. We got spiders, we got, okay, we got moles, but we got voles, moles and voles. So they sound similar, but what's the difference? Well, a mole is not a rodent, and a vole is a rodent. And the thing that they have in common is they're both going to completely ruin your lawn. (laughs) So uh, they both definitely need to be addressed. They both make tunnels in the lawn. Moles tend to push up mounds because they spend their life subterranean. Voles will make like an entry hole at the beginning of their tunnels because they spend a lot of their life above ground because they're herbivores. They eat a lot of plants, whereas moles spend their life subterranean and they eat, you know, pretty much just worms and insects. Well, we're getting a lot of different viewpoints, I guess, when it comes to spiders. One here, one is uh, from uh, a text from 214, says, grab a plastic container and a piece of cardboard, sweep spider and web and eggs into a container and take outside and put on a plant. Would you recommend that? That is very kind, and there's nothing wrong with doing that oh, if you want to do right. that. But there's also no spiders that are threatened or endangered, so if you squish them, you're not a bad person either. <laughs> got All right, I'm going to move to tarantulas for a second here. I got a text from 847. Uh, we have 48 tarantulas. Each one is amazing and unique. Would you agree? That tarantulas, they're really not 
They're different from tarantula to tarantula to tarantula, he said, trying to say? I would agree. They're, uh, they all have different habits. In fact, you know, I'm kind of falling in love with these two tarantulas that I had got for our insect zoo. And one of them shed its skin last week, and it just made this really beautiful molt, and it did so very publicly, and we got to watch. And the other tarantula thought that that was something very private, so it built webs in the whole tank so you can't see anything. It built this, you know, shroud of privacy and and molted uh, with complete privacy, and we didn't get to watch it. So our two certainly have unique personalities. And sometimes they get a, there's a, there's a bad, they have a bad reputation that they don't deserve. I'm guessing, too, because of horror movies and the way they're depicted in the cinema. You know, they're, they're, they can be a dangerous pet if you don't handle them correctly. Ah, so okay. they bite. They're venomous. So they shouldn't be handled with bare hands. And usually if someone does get bitten, it's about like a bee sting, but still. So I don't think it's responsible to handle them with bare hands. So a lot of owners do. Um, and they also have urticating hairs that they can uh, sort of release into the air that can be very irritating. So it's important to manage them in a very hygienic way so that the hairs aren't an irritant and that you don't have them in the room where you sleep, things like that. And um, they also need to be respected and handled very carefully because they're very fragile and they could get very injured if they drop. So they're they're a precious pet for a responsible pet owner. And it's really cool that you have a listener that has how many tarantulas? Forty something. Uh, what did I say? Um, Forty eight. I also have that's a. Awesome. I have a a text from two six nine that's very concerned. John, please ask. I need help. Uh, they come out of everywhere, types of spiders and earwigs. I'm selling my house because I have so many, and no no matter what I spray, they come. I literally can't sleep at night. It's not from being clean. I'm OCD with cleaning. Please help. I'm scared. My goodness. Do you have a response to that one? Yeah. um, So spiders and earwigs are two separate issues, so they should be addressed separately. Um, so earwigs are often a moisture issue. There's often a, an overly moist crawl space. And sometimes when you hire a crawl space lining service, that takes care of half of the problem. And the other half can be addressed by doing some really thorough caulking around the foundation if the home is in good repair. And when it comes to spiders, again, you can use, um, you know, a repellent pesticide in cracks and crevices. Um, but really vacuuming them up, not letting the egg cases hatch in the house, and just being really diligent uh, about you know not letting them be there is is a really great way to reduce those. Earwigs also tend to live in you know wood piles and mulch um, beds right around the house, so clearing some of that back can also uh, you know, definitely reduce yeah. the earwig population. All right. Well, I hope that uh, lends. I hope that gives two one nine two six nine there uh, at least some hope as to how they can deal with what's going on because that sounds like needless to say a very uncomfortable situation uh do you have any final words rebecca in the time left uh that you'd like to impart about i don't know mold voles spiders you name it yeah so fall is upon us as much as we hate to admit it we want the summer to last forever 
And that means that our little mouse friends are ready to get in, take refuge in our homes. So this is our chance to go around the foundation with a BIC pen, literally a BIC round pen. That, you know, 10 cent pen is the tool that you need to determine how mice can get into your home. Anything that you can fit that pen in, you can fit a mouse through. Um, So it's pretty important to seal up anything with mouse-proof materials. And great stuff in expanding spray foam is not a mouse-proof material. Steel wool is not a mouse-proof material. Your Brillo pad rusts away to nothing. So you need to use mouse-proof materials like the uh, stainless steel mesh and commercial-grade sealant that you can get um, from companies that manufacture products that are specifically mouse-proof. When my company installs mouse-proof materials in someone's home, we use um, Excluder brand. That's X-C-L-U-D-E-R. Uh, dot com or by excluder.com b-u-y-x-c-l-u-d-e-r.com you can get your own mouse proof materials there or you can have a professional uh, install them for you great once again so much great information thank you rebecca it's great having you on again always good to Wonderful talk to you. See you with you john and have people can night. find me at landmarkpest.com right rebecca fife is director of research at landmark pest management